OTB Sports Rugby. Everyone in the world thinks Ireland should win. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you pick the combined side, who'd get in from Wales? Jeez, I don't, not, no one, I don't think. Subscribe to the rugby stream on the OTB Sports app now. Rugby on Off The Ball. With Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us. Okay, it is right upon us. The Six Nations begins this weekend and it's Ireland against Wales in the Millennium Stadium. And I'm delighted to say Chris Jones is with us to help preview this. Chris, how are you? Yeah, I'm good. How's it going? You guys excited? Yeah, a little bit. It's kind of, it's it's almost tangible, the whole sense of expectation yeah. about what this whole year might bring for us. And yet we are also so beaten by the trauma of our successive <laughs> ex- uh, exits at World Cup quarterfinals that we're, we're, we're scared to be excited. So, so do, do you think a lot of it comes down to Saturday then for the Irish? Because if you go back four years, 18 into 19, a lot of expectation around Irish rugby and then the defeat by England in Dublin that kind of, you know, set the, the ball rolling in the wrong direction. Do you think if Ireland win this Saturday, then 2023 is going to be a very different story? Um, I think that even if we win, we'll still be traumatized by our history as opposed to... <laughs> Fair enough. Not, yeah. It's not one single uh, leap free. However, if Wales were to absolutely brutalize us the way that England did that day, it would be like, oh my God, it's happening again. How can we stop? Yeah, so- I, and you bet you can bet that Warren Gatlin's going to be playing on that. You know, I, I don't see tactically and technically form, fitness conditioning I don't see how Wales can match Ireland in the Principality Stadium tomorrow unless they play on all of that emotion the mentality Gatlin back closed roof Cardiff jumping and they get under the Irish skin and try to dominate them physically in the same way some Irish teams have been got out in the past whether Leinster or Ireland very rarely but it's happened the question is whether our, uh, Wales have got that kind of cattle to, to do that so yes yeah, interesting one the uh, the opening of the Six Nations weekend is also one of those bits where you can be utterly cliched in your uh, build up to it because all of the cliches become true. Two mm. years ago, yeah, two years ago, the Welsh team was basically a laughing stock, and we we called them a laughing stock all week in the build up to the game, and then they went on and won the championship in one of the all time great smashing grabs, and uh, yeah. we we were left with egg on our faces. Now, a year later. Uh, you know, whatever we had predicted came through, but it was, uh, you know, we were you not get bonus points for being a year earlier in your predictions. Uh, this time around, <laughs> that's sure. why that's why the ghost is 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 absolutely there for Ireland because uh, I looked at those teams from um, from two years ago and they're basically they're they're not they're not identical, but they're not that dissimilar. And there's no reason on earth to think that Warren Gatlin won't get a better performance than Wayne Pivac managed to get out of them. Yeah, and, and you know, there's no doubt that Ireland are going to have more ball. Ireland are going to play better shape they're going to go through more phases they're going to look more cohesive but if Ireland don't take their chances and the Principality Stadium starts to believe and Dan Bigger is in a Dan Bigger mood and you know Wales didn't have too many performances in the PVAC regime in the last couple of years to re- really hang their hat on but the one or two they did have was often with Bigger at the helm I remember France on that Friday night very nearly beat uh, uh, beat France and, and, and wrecked their whole Grand Slam dream so it definitely can be done you can bet that's what Gatlin is going to be preying on. Perhaps that element of Irish mental vulnerability, certainly from the supporters, whether Andy Farrell will be able to get the Irish in a in a tactically sharper and smarter and mentally sharper place than they were four years ago, then that's, that's the big hope for Irish rugby. But yeah, certainly 
the Six Nations, you, you you can't dismiss emotion. You'd be mad to. You look at the too many matches in the last few years where a home side has managed to to really rally, use all the energy in the crowd and get the job done when heavy underdogs. And yeah, as that Wales team showed in, in 2021, you can smash and grab a red card for the oppo and you can get out of there with a win. So yeah, I, I think Ireland will, will, will do it tomorrow, but you just can't write off a, a Gatland and bigger Wales side. I do think the red card aspect of, of rugby in the last five years is something that didn't really exist before that. You know, there would be a bad tackle, the crowd would go mad, there'd be a yellow card and everybody would go, okay, well, that's fine. But mm. the red cards completely transform games now. Uh, so Omani got sent off in that game uh, two years ago and uh, it like we only end up losing by five points and it was 16 minutes in. It's a long time to play with 14. But if something similar happens this weekend, then all of a sudden... The Six Nations is up and running for Wales and Ireland are like, oh, come on, what's going on here? Yeah, and, and you know, people people like us who are sort of chatting about this, we're asked to make predictions and you give them, but you know those predictions. I mean, they could, Ireland's Six Nations could go up in smoke in five minutes. So could England, so could Scotland, so could Wales. I think these two matches, given the way, especially England's draw and Ireland's draw are, that if they win, I, I can see that final game in Dublin being a real showdown because England then have Italy at home, Wales away. We don't know what to get, what, what, what you'll get from Wales. And then France at home, which well, three from three might be a game that England think they can win before going to Dublin. Same for Ireland. They've got France and England at home, Scotland round four, but then um, Italy um, coming up shortly. So yeah, I, I, I think this game is just, this day tomorrow is just massive for those four home, home nations. And whoever wins, I think can really, get some momentum and, and, and have an eye on the trophy or certainly the fans can and whoever loses could have a really tough six, seven weeks um, and yeah, as you say, red cards can change everything as we saw in 2021 Omani in Cardiff, Xander Fagerson uh, in the in the Scotland-Wales game um, last year with uh, the red card for Charlie Yules at Twickenham, meant that England were probably in that game, you know, they, they stayed in that game really well but then Ireland pulled away would it have been a different story 15 or 15? Who knows? It's the intangible, but it's certainly a big fact. It is, and, and ultimately, maybe if England win that game, Eddie Jones is still the coach and Steve Borthwick is not the the head coach of England. So these these do matter mm. in, in the, the grand scheme of things. Uh, we've been doing a bit of work with um, a rugby analysis company called React Rugby, and, and their founder was in the studio with us this week. And you know, one of the easiest ways of, of measuring the success are the... the the order of the teams from a statistical basis is to look at the fundamentals of the game. So, uh, rooking, passing, all that kind of stuff. And uh, there was a huge gap between Ireland and Wales on the stats over the last year, but it felt like it was also the type of thing that could easily be fixed by someone like Gatlin Mm. coming in and going, we're going to rook better, we're going to pass better, we're going to do the fundamentals of the game better because everybody has a clear idea of what their role is. We're not trying to transition into an all-singing, all-dancing Wayne Pivak-style game. We're going to go back to basics. We're going to focus on the things we know we're brilliant at and we're going to put Ireland under intense pressure that they won't they won't be expecting or they wouldn't have been expecting under Pivak. And I think that's why there's nobody writing this Welsh team off even though Gatlin's singing the underdog song. We're not buying it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think it's about every team in the Six Nations having a USP. And if you were to say what was Wales's USP, what were they renowned for? What did they do better than anyone else under Wayne Pivak? You wouldn't quite be able to say Ireland have got a USP like no other team in world rugby in terms of their connectivity, their cohesion, the shape they play at, the ruck speed, the pace, how aligned everyone is. Gatlin and Steve Borthwick can't get that going in eight training sessions. They probably can't get that going in two, three years. 
You know, England tried under Eddie Jones, but ultimately never got that kind of cohesion. When you look at the club, people come from different places, don't have that core like in Ireland. So Ireland really are, are a team that do certain things better than any other team in world rugby. Wales' USP under Gatlin used to be they were so hard to beat. And if you remember the the Chasing the Sun documentary, the behind-the-scenes doc when South Africa won the World Cup in 19, and Razi Erasmus is talking about Wales for the semi-final. And he said, these bleeps do not go away. They do not go away. And he actually compared them to England and Ireland. And that was the the, the assertion out there that England and Ireland could be got out physically. England and Ireland's head could drop. England and Ireland could be bullied. Wales won't be bullied. And I would be very surprised if Gatlin doesn't go back to that kind of ethos. We are not going to be bullied. No one is going to get under our skin. We might not have any ball. We might kick and chase. We might have 12 seconds in time inside the opposition's 22. But we'll find ourselves... 16 points all after 70 minutes and the opposition will go, how on earth is this game still live? That was always the Gatland and Wales mantra. The concern about that is he doesn't have Sean Edwards this time, Gatland. And do they have the same personnel? That Gatland side of 2011, 12, 13 from the crop of 07 in the JWC, special group of players. Some of them are still around, but they're in their mid 30s now. So is there that next generation coming through? Maybe, but there's a missing generation in Welsh rugby between the Alan Joneses, the Ken Owens and the Dan Biggers to the Daffer Jenkins and Chris Gingers. Where are those 25, 26, 27 year olds? They don't seem to be there. Um, those are the kind of players that are really coming into their stride for, for Ireland or have been over the last few years. So as much as you can make a strong case for Wales being really competitive and being a Gatland Wales, I just don't know if they've got the tools they had in his first spell. Yeah, it's it's funny that um, that missing age group is exactly the same in soccer in Ireland. And uh, right. the FAI has uh, gone through a period of um, fairly cataclysmic change and yeah, who knows where it could end up in the courts and Welsh rugby at the moment finds itself going through for various different reasons uh, something similar. From the players perspective I, I presume the players and the fans are unified and the off-field stuff doesn't bleed in in any way into our performance or like do they mention it at all? Is it, is it part of the conversation this week even in the press conferences or do they just go, I mean that literally is nothing to do with us. But how, do, how are they yeah, handling think, it? Uh, well, I, th- I think certainly Gatlin's been at pains to say that it, the, the talk inside camp has been all about um, the rugby. And I think that might have been part of why he moved his team selection forward from Thursday to Tuesday. He often does this, Gatlin's kind of send a message that they've got their team sorted um, and everyone's confident. But I think he he perhaps also wanted to shift the narrative from the off the field stuff to the on field stuff. And look, you can't deny it. There are sort of scandals and issues everywhere you look across across the, the Northern Hemisphere with rugby governance at the moment. Some more serious than others. Some are sort of very serious and and deal with people's personal lives and their comfort in the workplace. And and others say the RFU tackle hide is more of a rugby thing, but still has profound impacts on people's recreational lives. So you have lots of stuff going on off the field. I bet the administrators cannot wait for the for the games to start on Saturday and for the focus to get back on the field. And it is one of those juxtapositions in rugby. We lament so often the off the field issues, the calendar, the governance, the finances, the culture. Yet it also puts on the greatest tournament in sport, arguably or certainly one of the greatest annual tournaments in sport, if you exclude, say, the Olympics and the the FIFA World Cup. So this next few months really has to be celebrated while understanding there are there are also also things going on um, in the background with the governance. But the Six Nations has an unbelievable way of painting rugby in a great light, even if it's going through tough times. We sent our colleague Owen Sheehan to Wales last year to help in the build-up to preview it. And 
Um, Eddie Butler was really generous with his time and, and gave us 25 minutes and Owen did this incredible interview where Eddie talked about Welsh history and living on the Welsh-English border and the the slow, steady rise of Welsh nationalism and his own views on that and just how the rugby fitted in with it and it was just this compelling piece of content and now it stands as you know something that we're really proud of to have like to mm-hmm. have a record of his voice on our platforms because he is so iconic and so deeply associated for a whole multi- many generations with this and this is the yep. first time that we're not going to have him so i presume it's a it's a very emotional time for you and your colleagues uh, the six nations won't be the same i i you know you say there about what eddie was like you know the dealings i had with him charming affable incredibly um welcoming and 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 friendly but what a genius i mean what a what a talented bloke to be able to play for his country to the level he played at and then switch into journalism broadcasting you know did things with a microphone the rest of us can only dream of and that was all as kind of a second career having also you know conquered conquered his rugby career and played at the very highest level a complete a complete icon of the sport and yeah the six nations what won't be the same this year it'll have one one big piece missing and that's eddie's voice eddie's personality um coming out over over the airwaves and you know i think up to 10 million people would watch bbc one say for wales england so to, to not have um eddie on commentary is going to feel really weird and yeah he'll be he'll be desperately missed what is the the sense of how steve borthwick is going to do at england is there any hope that somehow just the freedom from whatever had gone on before will unleash hidden depths? Or is this, does it really feel like this is not going to be an immediate bounce, that it's going to take time? Oh. And what's your instinct? It's a tough one, isn't it? Yeah, the, the instinct is that Steve Borthwick's not put a foot wrong yet. I mean, he's only been in the job six weeks, the ball's not been kicked. And I suppose we've got to be careful not to be seduced in interviews because, you know, the rugby is what really matters and the fans will have pretty short patience if he it talks he's talked amazingly he's talked amazingly about reconnecting with the English rugby public and he's not trashed the Eddie Jones legacy or the Eddie Jones regime he owes Eddie Jones a lot and that's not his style but you can tell that there were things that happened under Eddie Jones in terms of you know maybe the disconnect between the fans and the team maybe with the way players were jettisoned and not brought back and sent into the wilderness never to return maybe the way that players were pulling up trees for their club and and ignored he's looking to put those certain things right and you you get the sense that even though he's been in the job six weeks this has been something he's been thinking about for a while you get the sense he's been watching the games when he was at Leicester and obviously concentrating on that job but he was watching it as an England fan but also a future England head coach going right how would I do things differently simplicity clarity he's picked a team that looks kind of dynamic and fast on paper it's not big it's not big and it you know Scotland might fancy themselves getting at England physically I think England will kick a lot of ball, but they will chase. Their work rate will be through the roof. There's no big number six. There's no Manu Tuolangi who you could perhaps accommodate a work rate-wise because of who he is. They're not in. He's gone mobility, dynamism, and a team that can move around the park. It's going to be fascinating. His impact, Kevin Sinfield's impact. I think Twickenham will be a different place compared to the South Africa game where it was flat and then turned to a bit of animosity with the booing. So it's a brand new chapter of English rugby and Eddie Jones was talking for years about the World Cup. Borthwick has not mentioned the words World Cup once in the last six weeks. 
He is laser focused on Scotland. And I think for the England fans paying 185 quid a ticket, that's kind of what I want to hear. Wow, I didn't realise it reached 185. You can see where the disconnect, where where that might begin to come from. And so it's really important the players somehow manage to bridge that gap to people who can't afford to go. Mm. Yeah, I, I completely. And I think Borthwick knows this. And look, uh, you know, 185 is kind of the top end. I wouldn't want to, want to say that it's like everyone's paying that. But look, these tickets are super expensive. And I think England fans had, would, would have a right to feel a bit aggrieved if all they're hearing from Eddie Jones is, oh, we're getting better to work in progress, to work in progress. Paris is what matters in late October for the World Cup final. You know, and that the patience ran thin and the patience obviously ran thin from the RFU as well. But Borthwick is passionate about English rugby full stop. Not Eddie Jones. Eddie Jones isn't English. You know, he he hadn't spent much time in England. You can't expect him necessarily to arrive and have English rugby in his soul, and in, in the you know the same way that you know South Africa would never have a non-national as, as head coach. Nor would nor would France. Nor would New Zealand. Every country does it differently. There's no right or wrong. But Borthwick keeps talking about his days as a kid growing up in the north. He talks about what the England rugby team did for him growing up watching them on telly, what English rugby did for his life, how it changed it when he became the national team captain. The regrets he's got from not delivering as well as he would have liked as England captain as an England player in an era of English rugby where the team started. So all of this is feeding into Borthwick's approach as England head coach, which we had a bit or fair bit with Stuart Lancaster, but didn't have with Eddie Jones for obvious reasons. So it's been a complete change of approach. And I think for a lot of people in the grassroots who maybe feel a bit apathetic towards English rugby with what's going on with the RFU and the tackle height and that, that you know all the controversy there, I think they will approach Saturday with a real fresh sense of excitement and anticipation. We uh, used to do a series of, of programmes on leadership with Stuart Lancaster where um, he'd come into studio and we'd interview people that he was interested in in the world of business and sport and, and uh, Kevin Sinfield was one of the first people he was like I want to talk to this mm. guy This is he's really interesting uh, Ronald O'Gara was one of the other ones that we did but um, when it was over he was like if I was ever getting involved in international rugby again Sinfield would be on my list of people I wanted in my backup right. team okay. and it's really interesting yeah. that Bordwick is straight there uh, yeah you, you're, you're my guy because um, Sinfield, apart from being a rugby savant, is also this like crazy inspirational uh, figure on a personal level, has a, a deep yeah. emotional intelligence, which is very, very rare. Normally you get that gift of being you know, a bit like Eddie Jones. You, know? you get one gift, you don't get two. But he seems to have multiple gifts. Yeah, it's funny because Chris Ashton on our BBC Rugby and Weekly podcast has been working with Sinfield the last couple of seasons, and he says, "I keep looking for, I keep looking for, for, for chinks in the armor. I keep looking for, you know, character flaws, and I can't, I can't find them. He's, he's, he's like a, a, a this perfect combination of intense yet warm, uh, empathetic, competitive." Uh, and he's made a real impact. And, you, you know, fascinating you say that about Stuart Lancaster because Borthwick wasn't going to come to England without Sinfield. There was a bit of chat at the start that maybe Sinfield would take over at Leicester and Borthwick would, would not have him. Clearly, taking Sinfield to England was a non-negotiable for Borthwick. And what's telling is that when they announced the, the squad for the Six Nations in mid-January, they were sitting side by side. Normally, the head coach does the, the press conference and there's not an assistant coach in sight. Eddie Jones rarely had an assistant coach who got close to his level of authority and influence. Yet Sinfield was sitting next to Borthwick. It's the Sinfield and Borthwick regime. It's not just the Borthwick regime. And that has been a, a, another big departure from, from the previous era because it's saying that, look, it's not just about me. It's also about Sinfield, what he can bring and how our different skill sets can 
can mesh together and, and, and do what's best for the team in English rugby. But yeah, one of those guys, Sinfield, there's only a few where you, you interview and you feel, God, this this guy is, um, is maybe cut from a different cloth to the rest. Uh, Chris, it's obviously like a, a C plot, not even a, a B plot at the moment, but the next uh, Lions coaching job is going to be announced sooner rather than later. And uh, we're given to understand that there is a clause in any future contract that uh, the Ireland head coach might be allowed to go and do that, which is, mm. uh, you know, if, if everything works out the way we hope it does, it's a genius move by the IRFU because you allow him to go off and so is Wild Oats and then he's coming back and he's essentially, barring a disaster, tied in for the next World Cup too. Obviously, there's a lot of rugby to be played and uh, at various stages, Ireland head coaches around about this time in the Lions cycle would have been like, oh, I could do that. And then, you know, World Cup quarterfinal defeat or worse happens and right. suddenly they're, they're not as hot anymore. Um, if we were to handicap the runners and riders at the moment, are there many other candidates who would be interested slash available? Yeah, I think Farrell is the overwhelming contender. I remember speaking to a senior Lions figure about, would have been two or three years ago now, and they said they they wanted to groom Farrell as the next Ireland head coach, or they wanted to have him on a few tours and then eventually be ready to step up. The other contender would probably be Gregor Townsend. We don't know what his future is. Um, and Farrell is probably, you know, that little bit. He's had a couple, an extra tour as a coach to, compared to Gregor, um, extra two tours maybe. And yeah, I, I think, uh, yeah, I, I'd be, I'd be staggered if Andy Farrell isn't the next Lions head coach. Um, and and then the question is how it will affect Ireland. And you look at how Warren Gatland did what two co- two two head coach Lions gigs as Wales boss in thirteen and seventeen. On the one hand, it probably set Wales back a bit at the time, but it also gave his whole era a bit of a freshening up. Would Gatland have been able to do 12 years at Wales without those two stints away? Perhaps not. Perhaps it would have all got too much and they would have parted company sometime in the middle. Who knows? So maybe if Farrell does go away for the Lions, he could come back and laser in on, on 2027. Um, he didn't go on the last one in 2021, but he's got great experience from 17 and 13. Townsend did in 21, but yeah, I, I think Farrell would have been on Gatlin's shortlist if he could have done it in 21. If he goes with the RFU's blessing, I think he he goes as the head coach in 25. Well, they've got Easterby uh, in the back room who has taken a, a mini tour to South Africa for a while with our development squad. And so they're obviously clearly thinking about what would happen. And obviously, Paul O'Connell is in the back room as well. And maybe O'Connell goes on the Lions tour, who knows? But um, the tiniest, most underrated part of this whole story, which I thought was interesting, was that Andy Farrell had given Owen Farrell's son an Ireland jersey and Owen Farrell was complaining about him running around <laughs> it. But Andy Farrell has another son who's, uh, you know, growing up in the Ireland school system at the moment. And who knows, maybe he, if, if Farrell right. is still the Ireland coach in 12 years' time. Oh, man. We're stealing it's your amazing. best players, Chris. Yeah, have you, have you seen, like, apparently Carlos Spencer's son is going to be the next Great all black. It's it's at, it shows we're getting old when you kind of see players you've 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 watched and then they've got sons. Um, but yeah, that would be a god. That'd be a fascinating one. Uh, how long Andy Farrell stays in Ireland and if his son gets into the system? Yeah, time will tell on that front. Um, I also wonder. We were we were joking on our pod the other day about whether Andy Farrell and Owen Farrell will ever be part of the same coaching team because I wouldn't put that part. I think Owen Farrell will go into coaching. Will be a great coach. And I think Andy Farrell is still in his 40s. He's got potentially 20 years to go. So that Farrell dynasty, I think, will take more, you get more and more uh, strength. And then you could add a, yeah, a few from the younger generations as well. Well, we're pretty happy we've got Andy for now. But if there was more to come, we'd also take that off the production line. Um, Chris, who's going to win the whole thing? 
A nice easy question uh, to I, round us out. Yeah, I, I, I think Ireland will win the whole thing, um, but they've got to get out of Cardiff alive. They do that. I think they're in a great spot. I think France will drop a game or two. I think they might lose at Twickenham and they might lose in Dublin. I think it's tough, two tough places to go for France. And they probably had a better draw last year when it came to winning a slam with their away games. Um, I think if England win on Saturday, they can go to Dublin with it all to play for. So I think Ireland, England, that final game, I think we'll have a lot on it. Well, if that is the case, uh, we shall see you in the hostelries on the night before. Chris, great to have you with us. Thanks well, I'm, gonna, I'm getting out there middle of the week. So, yeah, let's, Excellent. let's, Plenty uh, of time. let's catch up then. That'll that be good. good. Chris Jones from uh, BBC Rugby there. And of course, all our rugby on Off the Ball is brought to you in association with Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us. It's finally here. Rugby on Off the Ball. With Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us.